Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. How to develop employees with stretch assignments. Hi, I'm Mike Vanoy with Assure, and really excited to talk about this topic. I think this is one of those things uh, in, in a modern world. There's so much has changed uh, in the in the last, certainly the last three years, but there, we were on a continuum of of change from uh, brick and mortar workplaces to virtual work to uh, uh, fractional in office, out of office. Sometimes people get assigned stretch assignments just because you're trying to survive a pandemic. You're trying to grow through a situation. Sometimes we intentionally assign uh, 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 stretch assignments to employees to, to grow them. And, and I think this is just a, a wonderful opportunity. I have, a, I have a great guest to help unpack this topic. Uh, Yuri Kruman is a three-time chief human resource officer with extensive experience in HR talent acquisition and recruitment. Yuri is a contributor to Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and Forbes as well as an author of seven books. Yuri is the uh, a top five globally regarded expert on HR, learning development and related subjects. He's earned his bachelor's degree in anthropology and neuroscience at the University of Pennsylvania and his law degree from Yeshiva University. Yuri is also a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Yuri, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's great to speak with you. So this is kind of a passion uh, topic for me. Um, I, I we know one of the things that employees want today is to be developed. Um, certainly everybody wants money, they want their benefits, uh, but it as much as anything, when in an environment of 3.7% unemployment, employees have choices and they wanna go places where they can grow and develop and, and, and uh, build a career path for themselves. And I think this is an often overlooked area of people think that they have to have you know, formal curriculums around L&D and you go watch a video, sit in a classroom, but there's probably one of the greatest learning methods there is, is to jump in heads first and actually do things that you don't currently know how to do. I'd, I'd be curious if you could maybe frame us to, 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 to start the conversation. How, how would you define what a stretch assignment is? First of all, great question. Um, yeah, as someone who's built L&D programs and, and encountered a lot of would say uh, formalities, a lot of mumbo jumbo that comes from the business side, corporate's language, sometimes legalese language. Um, I think the most important point is that learning happens still somehow one-on-one, -on -one, human to human, right? Maybe people learn, some people learn well in a classroom, some people might learn well from video or audio or whatever. Um, I still, this is a personal thing, and I think for many other people, no, we're very ambitious and they just kind of jump at opportunity, right? Those are the people that you want to identify quickly. Those are people that often generally like to learn from experience, right? So in that sense, 
we don't have to be overly formal about what exactly we call a stretch assignment. I think um, in a corporate setting, if a boss comes and says, hey, I have a stretch assignment for you, you know, you might be like, oh, oh, oh crap, what now? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm already pretty loaded. I'm good, boss. You know, you can't yeah, yeah. say that. So a stretch assignment in other contexts, what does that look like? So let's, let's kind of give a few examples. So one is you're in an early stage startup, okay? Maybe there's some kind of product market fit. Um, I mean, you're flying at a million miles an hour off the cliff without a parachute, you know, all the, yeah. all the cliches. And in that situation, you often have a function called special project, which more or less means, hey kid, you know, you're, you're like, just go run with this, okay? So I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. I was at a startup called Baby Doctor, uh, working with a, guy I was friendly with from college and his wife and one other guy. So I was employee number two. Like, hey, we need a chief marketing officer. Uh, hey, Yuri, can you, can you like do your magic and go on LinkedIn and find candidates and like, you know, interview them and present them to us? So I was like, okay, sure. And I went and found some phenomenal candidates. You know, we ended up hiring a few of them for that, you know, for that role and a few others. And I was like, Okay, I mean, I, I never thought of this as, as a stretch assignment. I was just like, this needs to be done. You know, we need to do this because we need to grow the business. So the word stretch assignment never came to my head. It's a special project. It's a business necessity. That's it. Okay. In other situations, you might have a larger company like a Google, right? We know from Google's history that a lot of the best products that uh, Google has built, including a, certainly Gmail, I believe maybe even Google Maps, Yep. And a number of others came from stretch assignments, right? They give free time to work on other projects, right? This is early in Google's history. Right. And looks like, again, ambitious, smart people, when you give them resources and time, they will probably build great stuff, right? So maybe that's a stretch assignment. But, you know, going even one step further, a stretch assignment is not something that a boss has to assign to you, could be something that you do yourself, okay? Meaning you decide, hey, I want to build a side hustle. Hey, um, you know, chat GPT, because we have that now, right? Chat GPT, you know, how do I build this, uh, I don't know, uh, some kind of consulting business around ad tech or HR, right? And chat GPT, if you prompt it correctly, kind of builds a lot of these things for you. So is that a stretch assignment? Yeah, you assigned yourself a way to learn and to create something. So that's that's something else as well. But one, one last thing, one last way that I would wanna frame this is, okay, every role now because of AI, right? Because things are relatively much easier to do, a lot of the lower level stuff at least. Yeah. You can go either by yourself and anticipate your boss's requests and needs ahead of time, or maybe the boss will tell you, hey, I expect you to raise your level, you know, to something much higher, even if you're an analyst, because I know you have access to this tool, right? So all of these things are stretch assignments. They just come in different contexts by different names. What, what do you think, Yuri, about, you know, something I think about, uh, you know, you said uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So sometimes you get stretch assignments the boss didn't mean it to be a stretch assignment. You didn't receive it thinking it's a stretch assignment, but it's something you've never done before and you just you just grow. And that's I think that's just kind of natural organic growth. Maybe can you differentiate between that and what I will call intentionality around 
you as uh, maybe you're, maybe you're the the business owner, maybe you're a frontline supervisor working with one of your direct uh, reports, but you intentionally assign this stretch assignment, this special project, this thing that needs to be done, but you in, you communicate it with that intentionality, so the employee also knows that you're acknowledging, hey, this is a stretch. I need you to I need you to find a way to get this done. Uh, speak to the development of the employee and maybe benefit to the employer of, of, of acknowledging that, okay, you might not have the skill in how this contributes to your development, how it contributes to our development as a company. Great question. Okay. So first of all, if any of this sort of thing is going to work well, again, we're, we're not just saying, Hey, get this done, whatever, off your plate. No, if we're really thoughtful and serious about, the person's development. We actually have to know where it is that they want to develop. They may not have the language for it. They may not have had any coaching. They may not have had a boss who cared before, or maybe any boss, right? So especially with younger talent, which we know these days due to COVID often doesn't have even kind of like basic corporate communication skills, et cetera, right? We have to catch them up. So there's a lot of remediation that we have to do just to give people the language to even ask for, you know, learning, development, promotion, whatever, right? So let's say if you're an intelligent boss, not just general intelligence, but emotional intelligence, you actually care about people, maybe like you actually want to, you know, you believe that if you do good for other people, they will help your business grow, right? I mean, there's a good connection there, even, yeah. even in terms of numbers. So let's say you thoughtfully go with, okay, you're a new manager, you need to understand budgets because you have now some kind of, you know, balance sheet situation you have to run for your function. So I would love for you to grow in your role. And in order for you to grow in your role, and you, you know, try not to be too corporatist, try not to use all this formulaic language, because it turns people off and makes some kind of smell like, what is this? What is this? What is this guy trying to get out of me? Right. So you go and you find a, a leverage point, the person's own, hopefully, intellectual curiosity and, and desire to grow, and you tell them, hey, I would love for you to grow in this role, meaning once you master this, I, I would love to you know, look into promotion for you in six months or 12 months. Okay, This is, this is a, a requirement for you to get promoted to the next level. So think of it as your stretch assignment, right? So. Yeah. If you want to do things the right way, you have to connect to the person's self-interest and show them the exact path, meaning timeline, and what is going to be required to get to that next level in order to get them to do it. You want to motivate people in the right way, not by fear and not just by love and kumbaya, but some combination. Okay, You find a way to leverage what they naturally have to drive them. Gary, what if, what if they aren't actively, maybe an employee isn't actively seeking that stretch assignment. You know that they, for them to be successful in your organization long-term, they need to grow and develop new skills. You have something that needs to be done. You don't have the money to go hire another headcount or hire some contractor or consultant to, to do it for you. You simply need the work done. What, what, what's your guidance for you know, a, a supervisor, a, a manager, a, a business owner in a situation like that where you need work done, they don't currently have the skills, 
You could assign it anyway, but maybe try to position, not trying, because I don't want to be at this in a manipulative way, but literally communicating this to the employee, A, I need it, and this is a, this is a development exercise for you. Yeah, I think you have to start in the right order because all of these elements are important, right? The, the business need and the, the personal need. So I think if you, again, you're not trying to manipulate, you're trying to find the right sequence of events in order for that person to be motivated to do something. Because yeah. if they're really motivated in the end, maybe they're not even the right person for that role, which is also important to see, right? You want to you have that filter because if it's not the right person, they don't really want to grow. They're not really willing to put in the work. Maybe they shouldn't yeah. really be there. Maybe they should you know, transfer to another part of the company or do another role. That's fine. It, not everybody wants to move up. Not, you should not expect or force anyone to, to go through something they don't really feel good about. Right? Even if you have a business need, because if you force someone, they're going to do a crap job anyway. You have to replace them. Everybody yeah. loses. So in that sense, you have to motivate them and say, look, I, I know that you may not see the value of this right now, but I can tell you here, I went and created this report, how much this skill is worth in the market, meaning for you and your personal career brand, Love that. this course will you know, make you on average, uh, you know, be able to gain this much of a higher salary plus 10K, 15K, whatever. Okay. That lights up. A bulb. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, that's, I kind of need to do this for my own personal career brand, right? So you're not, you're not forcing them. You're showing them, hey, this truly is valuable. This is not me. This is not just for the business. We really need it, but we want to make sure that you see the value of this for yourself. Once things click, things will be a lot shorter. Yeah, it reminds me of a story, uh, marketing automation uh, vendor HubSpot. Uh, uh, in Boston area, Cambridge, um, they they hire a lot of you know fresh college grads, you know, first second uh, job kind of kind of folks, and they train them on search engine optimization and digital marketing and social media. They could you know under the under the umbrella they call it inbound marketing, and I it, it's clear that they have a strategy that they're not going to pay top of the market uh, digital marketing uh, uh, prices. For all their employees, they hire, you know, young green people that uh, are hungry for the development, and they literally celebrate it when someone acquires the skills that then they could they can go get a job somewhere else and make more than they could make, say, at HubSpot. They don't they don't try to shy away from it. They they're like, hey, let they, they throw a going away party. Congratulations, so and so just graduated from HubSpot, right? Uh-huh. I, I think this is an opportunity that sometimes employers miss. It's like just because they acquire these new skills, I, I love your your pointing out. Hey, this is what it means for you. This is the value of these skills in the marketplace. I would love it if you'd stay here forever and help us grow our company. But you know, there's a season for everything, and and you might acquire these skills, and maybe I can't afford to keep you, and then you can go somewhere else, uh, and and you get the productivity of that employee in the short term. They develop the skills. They appreciate you as the employer for for helping them to develop these skills, and they can advance their career, even if it means outside of your organization. Give, give me your, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a terrible cliche: if you love them, let them go. Right? <laughs> it works very well for employees as well. In fact, you can you can leverage someone who loves your business, who knows it very well, and you specifically urge them 
to go outside, work in another business. Maybe it's another competitor. Maybe it's in another industry. Stay in touch. Come back later at a much higher level. Because again, the person knows the culture. They love it here. But they're much more valuable now because of all those other skills from other industries and whatever maybe competitors that they picked up. So in fact, we should not, you know, the same way that I, I urge my career coaching clients to look at their job only as four walls and their career is much greater than whatever those four walls are, right? It's a long continuum. So don't get stuck in that way of thinking. Like it's either, you know, my way or the highway. It's either here or nowhere. That's total nonsense, right? I mean, there are lots of companies that um, do two different things. Either they have an internal talent marketplace. Like there's a company called Gloat based out of Israel. Right, so they help larger employers with, you know, the, the larger the employer, the better this works to set up an internal talent marketplace, meaning, okay, uh, new roles become open. It's well known that it's a lot cheaper and faster and more effective to hire from inside the company than to go outside and, you know, bring someone in who doesn't know the culture or whatever. Right, you not only save on the money, the recruiting costs, but you also save on, you know, the salary because the longer someone stays in your company, the, their salary growth also, frankly, stagnates. So a lot of people go outside to get a better salary. So in the same way that an, a, a talent, talent should not be stuck within four walls. Go develop, go have other experiences, God bless, right? The same goes for employers. They should not want to hoard talent and hold on to them because anyway, it doesn't work. The best people will leave and you can't force them. There's no non-compete or whatever else you can enforce that just, it doesn't work. So instead make them into your ambassadors, help them to you know, speak well about your company. So even if they're not here, it is not just about the glass door rating. It's about how they talk about you out, you know, in their business school and your community. So think a little bit longer in terms of your horizon for talent. Yeah. I, th I think that's so important because it, as I'm telling this HubSpot story, I can just imagine some employer listening to this today and thinking, why on earth would I train people just so they can leave me and I have to do it all over again? And, and the reason isn't to spend more time on training new employees. It's to develop a funnel uh, of employees who are drawn to you because of the goodwill you create. If you if you develop or if you're a retailer, I'm just make up an example. You're a retailer, three locations, 25 employees. If the if the people in that community uh, know that hey, people who work there, that's a stepping stone to a great career, and you develop that reputation, you're going to have employees stacked at your door, even in a 3.7 percent unemployment rate market, right? It's all about a talent funnel. Yep. Yuri, what, where do you see managers making mistakes? What, what are the biggest mistakes that managers should be avoiding when making stretch assignments to employees? If we zoom out from, from that particular question to a more corporate culture question. So the issue is most people, when they become managers, they immediately put on some kind of... Um, caricatured version of what should I be as a manager? Maybe that is a picture from a movie they saw. Maybe um, it's a picture, uh, you know, it's, it's some pop culture sort of thing that um, they have in their mind, right? Oh, I have to be tough. Oh, I have to, 
What what is this, right? This is nonsense. It's a product of hazing, actually, <laughs> if you think about it. Even even in college, people um, have some kind of experiences of hazing. Okay, so yeah. they bring the same mentality um, to their interactions with other people. As soon as they have some kind of you know managerial role, this is what happens. So I think the most important part is to demystify what is managing and to help people, coach them, just speak to them as humans and say, look, this is not rocket science, but there is a way to do it. Okay. Yeah. So this, this is a very important part of doing this correctly. Okay. You have to get the culture right before you think about the tactics. Yeah. You know, since <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing you say that one of the mistakes that I see young green, not young by age, but new managers make is uh, this, it's interesting. I've never heard it described the, the way you just did about the, uh, kind of a, a adopting this caricature that they have in their mind of what a manager is supposed to be. And I think one of the things that many people think a manager is supposed to be is that they know the answers and therefore they might be afraid to assign work to an employee when they don't even know the details of how to assign the work. They know the outcome that they need, but they don't know the how to get it done in there. And they kind of think, well, that's my job. I'm supposed to know how. I'm supposed to be able to tell them what to do versus what outcomes I need. And therefore they don't assign the assignment at all. What what, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, th this, is, this, is, uh, this is a big picture problem. This is not about a specific assignment or a specific relationship, right? I mean, our, our culture, unfortunately, around work is it's, it's broken, right? So it takes, it takes um, a lot of work from the top down, right? You have to model the behavior that you want to see from other people, okay? This, this is not something that can go magically away <laughs> with a stretch assignment or some other gimmick. Right, right. Okay. Any, any other blind spots or mistakes that you see managers making when assigning in the, in the narrow lane of stretch assignments? Yeah, I think a lot of the time it's, it's um, also kind of the, the teacher complex. Oh, now I'm a teacher and I have to come up with some, you know, uh, fancy schmancy newfangled uh, something, right? Just to show that I'm this and that. So it, it's the same problem. It's usually something that's not practical enough or it's you know it's not really going to teach someone something it's just going to make them i don't know use chat gpt and answer some questions right so there has to be a lot of a forethought about designing designing the experience right what is what is this going to actually do for this talent how can i make it practical okay mm -hmm. so that's that's what it comes down to. Again, it's human factors. It's communication. It's a forethought. It's not really about, you know, how fancy or complicated because that's not the point of the assignment. You know, build something, uh, figure out how it's done, write up the protocol, you know, put, put the CEO hat on, right? Like put on the big boy pants, if you will, right? Or big girl pants or whatever the story is, right? So that's, that's the key piece. You have to model the behavior and you have to give confidence to the person that I know that you're more than capable of doing this. Yeah. That is what is going to get the person to value it, to take it serious and to produce something great. Let's, could, let's could go deeper down that path. So, cause I'm with you on model the behavior as in 
like what I'm hearing is like demonstrate the humility of, I don't know how to do this, but I need you to figure out how to do this for us. When speak into that, if you could, because I I think when some people hear model the behavior, they're like, well, I don't know. You know, I need to hire a marketing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. I started a company. Uh, I've, I've hired some salespeople. Um, and now to help that sales team grow, I need to hire some marketing people. I don't really know much about marketing, so I, I don't know what behaviors to, to model. How, how do I, how do I assign a stretch assignment to an employee to start taking on? Maybe I can't afford a full-time marketing person. I need one of my salespeople to do some marketing things for me, but I don't even know what those things should be. How, how do, how should a manager approach those types of maybe growth periods and transitions in their business? I think, you know, again, we know that usually if you have people with some intelligence and, you know, you give them the confidence to go do something, you maybe you tell them, hey, use ChatGPT. I mean, get started. Just just go, you know, do something. And if you have a question, go search for it, right? So... You're a startup guy. This is your startup. What do you do? Okay, don't get lost. Just just start something. Start a process. Start some research. Ask a friend. Okay, look in forums. That's it, right? I mean, it's not rocket science. When I go in, I don't know, let's say create a course. I mean, I, I actually, transparently, I do this all the time. You know, um, I have a place where I teach, right? And they say, hey, can you teach this course? And I've never taught that course. And I say, hell yes, let's go, right? And if it means I use ChatGPT to create the outline, brilliant, okay? I still have to go do the research, but I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not like trying to wrap my brain about, I don't know, principles of marketing. Like I was never a marketing professor. I mean, I know bits and pieces of this, but you know, that's what you have to do. You just have to empower people and you have to show them, hey, if I were to do this, here's what I would do, okay? Maybe you record a video. You do that once, you take five minutes, 10 minutes, and they get the gist, like run with it. It's not rocket science, right? Nobody has the monopoly of knowledge anymore on much of anything. You're, you, you see all kinds of businesses in your practice. Um, we did a survey a year ago um, uh, where, we, where we try to quantify HR best practices and how it correlates to revenue growth in organizations. So we took eight... Uh, eight topics from pre-hire to post-hire. So uh, recruiting, onboarding, uh, 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 compliance, talent management, performance management, uh, retention, et cetera. Different, uh, eight different topics all the way through post-employment. Five questions each. Do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? Um, and then based on their answers, we asked one final question. What best describes you last year? Were you a fast growth company, a growth company, flat or was it a down year? And then correlate the answers. When we, we asked one question uh, in the employee development, um, and it turned out that 75% of fast growth companies frequently assign stretch assignments to employees, but only 34% of down year companies say the same thing. What, on one hand, it sounds kind of obvious. Um, there's maybe two sides of the coin to the stretch assignment. One is Fast growth companies, they're growing, they're outgrowing their needs. They need people to take stretch assignments, whether it's on purpose or not. There's the other side of that same coin. It's like, well, when you 
give stretch assignments, you develop your people and then you have better people to accomplish more for your business. I'm curious what you see in the marketplace. Do you see the fast growth companies being more progressive in their, in their, and I'm going to go back to the word intentionality for assigning stretch assignments, or do you think it's more of just a function of being a growth company? Let me frame it to you this way. I sit in Israel, I'm in Haifa, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with many um, Israeli founders or Israeli companies, but especially now because we're here, you know, it's a war, there's a war going on. So we talk a lot about Israeli resilience and, you know, how Israeli startups keep delivering, even though half of their, literally half of their staff might be out fighting in Gaza, right, or up on the northern border. So... To sit in Israel and to, you know, well, you know, stretches. It's like, look, we're in a freaking war, okay? If you want the business to survive, you're going to bloody figure it out, okay? That frames things in a slightly different way. You don't call it a stretch assignment. You call it, you want to survive or not, okay? It, It makes things a lot more stark, okay? And that's indeed why Israelis are so resilient and why so many great Israeli high tech companies exist in the world. That's why. Because there's no, well, you know, it would be nice. No, you, wanna, you want this to live or not? <laughs> Things get resolved real quick that way. I'm reminded of a scene from the movie, the old Tom Hanks movie, Apollo 13, mm-hmm. where they're, they're stranded up there. Yeah. And uh, the head of engineering comes into a, into a room and throws, empties a, a, dumps a box on the table. Here's the parts. Either you figure out a solution from that or they die. Those are the two choices. Right? That's it. We got figured out, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So that's, um, that's what it is. You know, what I see in the market to answer your actual question yeah. is, you know, you get people who understand how business works because they've been through the ringer and they don't mess around. They don't mince words. They don't really BS anybody. Look, you're an adult. You're here. You want to stay here? Figure this out. If you don't want to stay here, we'll find some other way without you. Right. So that's harsh. That's not what people like to hear. It's not politically correct. It's not very nice, but it really works. (laughs) Right. And there are people that don't need that. They don't need that scenario. They're genuinely curious and they want to figure it out. There are many people like that. So they don't need the, you know, the force. Okay. The fear. But many people, unfortunately, do because they've been coddled and they don't really understand how the world works. So you have to know how to balance the two. Again, this goes for any human relationship. How do you balance love and fear? Some love the ones that succeed do both. I mean, you're you're an HR consultant for a living. So many times, I believe that uh, HR these days it's it's being positioned as dare I say politically correct. You just said something. I think pretty provocative. I I, agree, I couldn't possibly agree more, right? I mean, it's the kind of, on one hand, there's the kind of culture you want to create. And sometimes it is, you got to, you got to have, you want a culture of people who are tough and can deal with problems and stuff being thrown at them. Uh, sometimes in a really, 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 really tight labor market, you, you're, you, you got the hand you're dealt with and you just got to figure it out. Can Comment about maybe all these two faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, life does, right? I mean, business owners who think 
and they probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast if they if they thought this. But the the, the business owner who thinks HR is about being politically correct and being nice in in your message about sometimes it's HR's job to deliver the tough message and say suck it up. This is what we got to do. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe it's life experience. You know, I've been an immigrant twice. I've had either seven or eight careers, depending on how you count it. You know, I've, I've had really crazy life experiences. After a while, you just you, you get the gist, right? That no one's there waiting for you with, with open arms. It's like, look, you're an adult. You figure it out for yourself. It's your career. It's, it's your life. If you can't figure it out, somebody else will lead you by the nose. So figure it out. Do it for yourself, right? Get get there by leveraging what you care about, what you're interested in, before someone, you know, tries to manipulate you into whatever it is, through fear, through love, something else. Better you figure it out for yourself and you lead yourself because then you can lead other people more effectively or you'll learn the hard way by being screwed over. So <laughs> better better one way than the other. But of course, most of us have both in our path. Let's try to maybe wrap the conversation just really tactical. So you're you're a business owner, you're a manager, you're watching this today. Um, and, and you know you've got a million things in this business to do that you and your employees don't have the skills to do currently today. And so you, you're going to assign the work or you better be assigning the work. How should they be assigning work in such a way that this is, and I'm going to go back to my word intentionality, that there's this acknowledgement with employees. You may not know how to do this. It's not just that I need you to. This is part of your development. How do we we get the most of these experiences so that's not just getting the work done, but it is developing our employees so that either they can have a bright career with us or somewhere else but uh, it's a win-win for the employee and the employer. G- give us some really just tactical advice to wrap the conversation. The number one thing is communicate clearly. I, I know it sounds a little bit of a cliche, but it's the truth. Most people don't know how to communicate clearly. It's very awkward. It's, you know, oh, what if I mess, uh, mess up my language and HR is on me, right? So be direct, just say, look, Yes, we need this done, but I also I want you to grow. I want you to take this opportunity and understand that we want you to do well. We want you to go forward, right? We like you. That's why we keep you. So in order for you to do that, you need to pick up these particular skills. Okay, here's a timeline in which you need to learn them. I'm going to help you buy a course, get a coach, whatever. Okay, and I, I really, you know, this is, this is going to be great for you because it'll help you with your value in the market, whether it's with us or somewhere else. And you will grow, you will really enjoy this. I think based on your, you know, what you've told us about yourself and your goals, this looks like a really good alignment. But in any case, you know, we we trust that you're going to do this both for yourself and the company. Let's go, okay? When, you, when you're clear about the entire picture, it's not all kumbaya, we love you, we, we want the best for you. Okay, it's a business, right? And it's not all about just do it or else, right? You frame things in the right way. It's not about, you know, being mealy-mouthed and it's not about talking out of two sides of your mouth. It's about saying, look, here's the reality. We need this, but you also need this. Do it, please. Okay? 
Yeah. No, I, I like that. And maybe the only other thing I would add, and I think this is easier in more senior positions, but really can be said for all positions, is I'd say focus on the outcomes, right? It's like, okay, employee, at this stage of our business, or we just acquired this customer, or in order to acquire that customer, we're going to need this as an outcome, whether it's the better product, the faster service, the better price, the lower cost, the whatever it is that you need, describing and attaching, assigning the outcome and letting them figure, if you don't know the direct tasks, the path to tell them specifically what to do, therefore that definitionally makes it a stretch assignment. I need you to figure this out. Here's the outcome I need. Otherwise, I think you can run the danger of people performing tasks, feeling busy. My boss assigned this to me, but it didn't. If it didn't result in the, out, the desired outcome, um, you know, almost hard feelings and not necessarily growth. Do you agree zombie with that? Work. That's what it is. It's zombie work. Yeah. Yeah. Yuri, is there anything else you'd want to say to put a bow on this topic of assigning stretch assignments and what's good for the employer and good for the employees? You know, it takes sometimes a lot of thought and, and it's not just thought. Don't, don't stay in your own head. Talk to people. See what they're going through, what they really care about. You know, just do, do the hard work up front. And it's not necessarily hard, not hard for everyone at least. Ask the right questions, get the information, do your best to align incentives and just get the person to understand what benefit there is for them. And that makes things a lot easier when you're human with them, you're real and you are looking out for them, but you're also looking out for the business. The two do not need to conflict. That's where the magic happens. Okay. That's when people say, ah, okay, I get it. It's not just for the business. This is not just some sort of gimmick to check boxes. This is genuine. This really will help me in my career. Yeah, okay. yeah. very good. So what, uh, we talk a lot on this show, the the, the 3.7% uh, unemployment number coming out of the November jobs report. This isn't a recent phenomenon. This has been a 50-year low trough that we're in. And based on birth rates 50 years ago, this thing ain't changing. The labor shortage is real. It has hit Main Street. And if you don't take this serious as an employer, this isn't just a big company thing. Small businesses and even startups, if you aren't deliberately thinking how to get the most of your people, how to build an employment brand that attracts the best talent, it's just going to be really, really hard to succeed and grow your business uh, 2024 and beyond. Yuri, thanks so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Mike, thank you very much for having me. Great to speak. And to everybody else, until next week, thanks. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront cost and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws, visit AssureSoftware.com.